It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me, or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. I'm proud to greet you from Ukraine, from our capital city of Kiev. A city that is under missile and airstrikes from Russian troops every day. But it doesn't give up. We have not even about it for a second. Just like many other cities and communities in our beautiful country, which found themselves in the worst war since World War II. I have the honor to greet you on behalf of the Ukrainian people, brave and freedom-loving people who for eight years have been resisting the Russian aggression. Those who give their best sons and daughters to stop this full-scale Russian invasion. Right now, the destiny of our country is being decided the destiny of our people, whether Ukrainians will be free, whether they will be able to preserve their democracy. Russia has attacked not just us, not just our land, not just our cities. It went on a brutal offensive against our values, basic human values. It threw tanks and planes against our freedom, against our right to live freely in our own country, choosing our own future. All right, that was kind of the voice of President Volodymyr Zelensky speaking before Congress yesterday in an auditorium I personally have never seen before. Uh, it was not the, the the chamber. It was a big, like a theater, must be somewhere in that building. And I, for some reason, didn't know about it. Um, and so that was how the speech began after the, the niceties. Uh, I have so much to tell you about this this morning, or just some observations. First of all, you know, uh, the video that I watched, it had the Congress people, men and women, gathered in this room, and it was like a a party, you know, laughing like they always do. And I just thought, this is really surreal. The president is coming, you know, out, he's speaking in his T-shirt and his, you know, scrappy beard, uh, stubble, I guess, uh, about the tragedy that he's experiencing. And it's like a festive atmosphere in that chamber. It just was odd to me. You would think there would be a sobriety, but there wasn't. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was like the cheerleader, smiling, you know, smiling. It's just, it's just, it's just bizarre to me. And also bizarre that they used a female interpreter. You know, it matters a great deal when you use, because I have used interpreters so much. I've had so much experience with this from my overseas travel. It matters your interpreter is as, <laughs> as important as the speaker. So they used a female who was not real clear. And so that kind of took away, I think, uh, the power of the delivery. But let me just talk about content for a second. 
So Zelensky asked for several things. He again asked for a no-fly zone. He also asked them to send uh, surface-to-air missile systems that could allow the Ukrainians to protect their sky. He asked for more sanctions uh, and and a few other things. And so that's basically what uh, the, the the guts of the request was. And then when he came, he played a video. Uh, for the lawmakers, which was very tough to watch, and it was a video featuring like a compilation of viral photographs of uh, children killed, uh, pregnant women killed. It was tough to watch, very tough to watch, and uh, it ended with you know show buildings before they were blown up, and then how they were just annihilated. And the end of the video, it said, "Close the skies," and so then uh, Zelensky came back and spoke in English. And I actually thought this was the most powerful part of the, uh, the, the address. And this is clip three. Let's listen. Today, it's not enough to be the leader of the nation. Today, it takes to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Peace in your country doesn't depend anymore only on you and your people. It depends on those next to you and those who are strong. Strong doesn't mean weak. Strong is brave and ready to fight for the life of his citizens and citizens of the world, for human rights, for freedom, for the right to live decently and to die when your time comes and not when it's wanted by someone else, by your neighbor. Today, the Ukrainian people are defending not only Ukraine. We are fighting for the values of Europe and the world, sacrificing our lives in the name of the future. That's why today the American people are helping not just Ukraine, but Europe and the world to keep the planet alive, to keep justice in history. Now I'm almost 45 years old. Today my age stopped when the hearts of more than 100 children stopped beating. I see no sense in life if it cannot stop the death. And this is my main mission as the leader of my people, great Ukrainians. And as the leader of my nation, I'm addressing the President Biden. You are the leader of the nation, of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. Yes. All right. I'm going to... So what he said... uh, being strong doesn't really being strong doesn't mean big. Um, and he says, "I'm 45. I see no sense in life if I cannot stop the deaths." And then he's uh, encouraging Joe Biden to be the leader. He says, "You are the leader of the nation. Now be the leader of the world." But that means be a leader of peace. And so, not many hours after that speech, in which he got a standing ovation, uh, Joe Biden responded by saying no to everything and sending more money. Uh, so that's kind of uh, how that turned out. 
I have to tell you, I've been reading, uh, I've been reading and listening and trying to figure out myself. You know what in the world is true here? One thing is not true, and that is, I played for you that uh, part of that duet, "Endless Love," yesterday. Now, this may sound silly, but it really isn't in the context of what I want to share next. That was complete fraud. I came out, I think, five, maybe, maybe now a week ago, on YouTube, and uh, it was uh, presented as Zelensky and his wife Alina singing. And the guy looks just like Zelensky, and Zelensky wasn't an entertainer. And so it's easy to believe that that would be them. Um, But it turns out it's not true. It's a guy from a Florida-based band uh, called Boyce Avenue, and the woman is Connie Talbert, a British singer. So that was complete fraud. Uh, So I'm sorry that I played that yesterday and fell right into the trap of the fraud. I didn't know. And thanks to my listener, uh, Richard, who sent that to me, who alerted me to that. So thank you, Richard. I really appreciate that. Um, and then um, that reminds me of other things, because uh, I listened to Dennis Prager last night, and he was pretty much laying out the fact that, you know, uh, Ru- Russia Russia is bad. It's attacking uh, Ukraine, and uh, that things are complex, and are not as complex as we might think. And he laid out really what is the public narrative on this. And then I heard Lara Logan. Now, Lara is, uh, uh, talk about a truth speaker. Lara is that. And so what I heard her say is actually disturbing, but I want you to listen to what Lara Logan's diagnosis of what happen, is happening here is happening. This is clip seven. Let's listen. Is that we have such a selective and a narrow reading of history. You know, President Zelensky may be Jewish, but he's not the only one in this who suffered during the Second World War, whose ancestors suffered, right? I mean, look at Putin. How many relatives did he lose in the siege of St. Petersburg? People don't know their history. They don't know what made Vladimir Putin. And I'm not a defend, you know, I'm not defending him. I don't need to defend Vladimir Putin. My job as a journalist is to try to understand what is the truth here. I don't like being lied to. And we're being lied to on an epic scale. When we're told your only choice is you have to be 100% with Zelensky, who's a puppet, who you can find on the internet in black stilettos and leather pants, you know, with shirtless, doing a spoof, dancing with the stars kind of entertainment video. That's a mock of a Ukrainian group that does this kind of satanic occult type of uh, music video. And I mean, Zelensky was selected, like so many of our leaders. And honestly, with, with big tech, and with election fraud these days, we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been yeah. selected for us and weren't actually voted in. But what we do know is that there are increasing problems with technology and the digitization of our world. Because we, look at what's happening with COVID. Look at what has happened globally. We are fighting the same battles all over the world. To pretend that this war is about Russia and Ukraine is a just a barefaced lie. Yeah. If Putin has been warning for 15 years that he is not going to stand by while the globalists take over the world, build bioweapons facilities and whatever else they're doing in Ukraine, Ukrainian yeah. oligarchs. Ukraine has been a center of money laundering for you know many of the leaders in this country for how long? Billions of U.S. dollars have been laundered through Ukraine, and we say nothing about it. These are our tax dollars. All right. Uh Okay, I'm going to go on with clip eight because I'm running out of time here. I want you to hear everything that she says, and I have comments. This is Lara Logan, part two. Before the impeachment trial, had you ever heard of anyone in the United States, I mean, us bringing in foreign governments to the White House for anti-corruption training? 
I mean, does nobody question these things? Why do we not question them? We have an well, idiot uh, like Lieutenant Colonel Vinman hmm. who goes at the impeachment trial and sits there as a lieutenant colonel. He didn't even make colonel. And he's telling the President of the United States what his policy should be. You have a traitor in the form of Maria Jovanovic, who was Obama's ambassador, who's telling Ukrainian mm -hmm. government officials, don't listen to the will of the American people. Don't listen to well, the election results. We are the true leaders of America. I mean, and then people object when the woman isn't even fired. She's given a cushy job for life at Georgetown University at the expense of the U.S. taxpayer. And we're told that the president of the United States cannot say to his foreign counterparts, you know, that we want right. you to look into something. But Joe Biden can it. withhold as much aid as he wants to. I mean, right. there's so much hypocrisy and dishonesty here. And Ukraine is well, at the center of it all. Go back to Russia collusion. Go to Alexandra Chalupa. Go to Eric Caramella, the, the whistleblower who went to work for Adam Schiff, who wasn't really a whistleblower, right. and all those corrupt people in the deep state. And you know what? The deep state isn't a theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's an actual deep state. Look up the SES, the Senior Executive Service, because when that bureaucracy was ushered into law in the United States right. of America, that's when we got a bunch of unelected bureaucrats. Well pulling the strings behind the scenes. And right. these are Laura, the people that keep yeah. lying to us. All right. So that's, that's, that's so, guts. it's so much stuff in it. And uh, let me just say this. So I listened to that, and Lara is very informed, much, much more than I am. She's steeped in this stuff. She is on the front lines of this. She's investigating it all the time. And I, I have my, my, my t tendency, I might not always agree with her on issues, but uh, my tendency is to say, wait a second now, we have to listen to, we have to think about this. Uh, she's saying, and this makes sense to me, we have to, they're demanding, and our cultures and our news is demanding that we be 100% in favor of Zelensky, and we have to think Putin is, uh, you know, uh, the villain here. And he is a villain. We know that. But what if Zelensky is exactly what she said, a pawn, which is very, very likely. With the World Economic Forum, by the way, he's part of that. Um, there is, she's claiming there's something more sinister going on here. And why, why are the same people who were pushing Russian uh, collusion and COVID and all the lies, why are they now promoting this narrative? It makes, oh Lord, it's just, it, it is so confusing. And I apologize to you that I'm unclear about it. Uh, I, but I'm working on this and I expect that at some point there will be clarity. But I just want to put a caution out there that I, I saw an American soldier uh, talk about what a mess Ukraine is and how he had to escape. Was, he was fighting for Ukraine, and that was disturbing. All right, great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning. This February, you can share heartbeats for the preborn. The Ministry of Preborn's mission is to rescue preborn babies. You see, every heartbeat proclaims our Creator's name. And when a mother considering abortion hears that heartbeat through ultrasound, the message is loud and clear. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. Preborn cries out for the preborn through heartbeats while supporting moms in crisis nationwide. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. And 80% of the time, she'll choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stearns. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Educators in Langley, Virginia are angry, angry their propaganda campaign has been exposed, angry that parents are fighting back. And now the educators are back on offense. In recent days, parents have been exposing some of the pornographic books that have been smuggled into public school libraries, material that has no business being in front of underage eyeballs. So defiant librarians have pushed back, not only refusing to remove the books, but actually promoting the books. At Langley High School, the librarian set up a display featuring many of the books that have caused controversy. There was also a big sign on the display, stuff some adults don't want you to read. School leaders apologized once word of the display leaked to local reporters, but it was more than just a poor act of judgment. It was a thumb in the eye of every parent in the district and a reminder that for eight hours a day, they control everything your child is exposed to. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Imagine your daughter being raped and sodomized in a school. You put your children on that bus and you hope and pray that they are safe. They're supposed to be safe in a school environment. And this boy says that he's bisexual and wears a skirt, enters the girl's bathroom and does this to their daughter. Can you imagine the rage that any parent would have? And the school did not greet him very well and he was not allowed in. Then he attended the school board meeting and you can see how he was treated. It is a disgrace that this poor man and this poor family was treated like this. They went silent this summer and then they found out about this same predator went after and, and did the same exact acts to another girl at another high school. And they said enough being silent. And I actually had lunch with them on Monday. We set up a GoFundMe account for them. And the community is supporting this family because we blame the superintendent, the school board, and the Democrats in Richmond for allowing this bill to give all of this quiet hush-hush cover-up. 
All right, that's the voice of Patty Hidalgo Mendez Menders. And Patty was is a parent in Loudoun County. We've talked so much about what happened. She's referring to uh, Scott Smith, the plumber, whose daughter was raped in the bathroom by a boy who dressed as a girl and, uh, you know, had the uh, gender-fluid bathrooms. And his, his daughter was raped, and he went to the school board meeting, and they arrested him. You remember that story, but I just wanted to remind you. Well, we have uh, a real privilege this morning because in studio back in the mothership, uh, we have two special guests, and Patty Hildalgo Menders is one of them. Patty is the president of Loudoun County Republican Women's Club, but she is a Cuban immigrant's daughter. We're going to talk a lot more about her background, but she has three three sons, um, and uh, she was on the had a front row seat to that, and as you could hear, was very involved in what happened in Loudoun County. So, Patty, first of all, good morning, and thank you for joining us so early out there in Central Time. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, I, just a practical thing about, particularly about Loudoun, because I want to go to the broader issue of your own past and what's happening in this country uh, compared to what you know about happened in your parents' home country of Cuba. So we're going to get to that point. But in Loudoun County, what was your what was your first indication as the mother of these boys in school that there was something really wrong? In the Loudoun County school system. So I've lived in Loudoun County for almost 23 years. So my older two sons have already graduated, gone on to college and graduated from college. So I've seen this excellent school system really erode the last two years. It was right around 2019, They uh, the community elected a brand new school board. Majority of them were Democrats. There were only two Republican endorsed candidates on the school board. And they right away started implementing all these political ideology focused on critical race theory and transgenderism. And the only way parents like me found out was during the COVID lockdown. We were at home. We were over our kids' shoulders looking at their computer screens. And being president of the largest Republican women's club, I did have members send me screenshots and videos of what other teachers were teaching their children. And it was very alarming. It was almost like, how did we miss this? How did we not know that this, these ideologies were being pushed and indoctrinated with our children? So we went to the school board meeting. And I don't know if you recall, um, there were 40 to 50 parents that were on a blacklist. There was, yes. Yes. So I was on that list. Um, It was called the anti-racist parents of of Loudoun County. They, They were a private Facebook group. And unfortunately, six of those school board members were in that group. And when they were compiling this list of parents, we were just going to the school board asking for in-person learning. And they had three pictures of me in there. They had my first and last name, my husband's name, where my son goes to high school. And even my son's high school principal was in this group. And they let this mob compile this list and target us. And it, it, it really woke us up to this completely divisive community that was just growing uh, out from under us and this push for this Marxism. I don't know how else to describe it, but they're, they're using our children. They're taking God out of everything. And during the lockdown is when we found out. Well, that's, that's, uh, there's so much in there, Patty, and we'll come back to that because <laughs> uh, we want to have a good long discussion. But I, I do want to introduce uh, your partner there, uh, Chi Van Fleet. Chi, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, it's Chi Van Fleet, yes. Chi. I should mm-hmm. know that because mm-hmm. of the 
the uh, Xi Jinping leader. Yeah, I have exactly. nothing to do with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not related because you have the same. <laughs> I'm kidding. But Xi Van Fleet is a Loudoun County mom, and uh, she pushed back, especially on the critical race theory issue in Loudoun County at the school board meeting. We're going to play a clip of her um, challenge to them. But uh, she is a an immigrant from China, and she lived through Mao's Marxist cultural revolution. I do want to talk to her about that because that's fascinating. But uh, so both of these ladies come from their background, their, part of their DNA is their deep understanding of what happens in communist countries, both uh, through their own experience and also through their, also through their parents. Uh, she, I'm just curious, did you by any chance get pulled into this on that? Remember the, <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, the, the, uh, the fact that they say, uh, sorry, I can't find the words, they decided that Asian students would not, uh, they'd, they put some disadvantage for Asian students to be el- eligible to get into some high-performing uh, section of the school uh, uh, curriculum because they were performing too highly. I, what, you tell me, what were the words there, and is that how you got involved in this? Um, that You're talking about uh, the uh, um, Jefferson High School. Thomas. And, uh, Thomas Jefferson High School. And right, okay. um, I was not involved with that, and I learned later. The reason I got involved with school board um, is because my son graduated from Loudoun High School in 2015. And also, I talked to a lot of uh, other Chinese parents, and we all noticed something in common, that our children come home, and we, we could see that they uh, through their talk that they really... Lost America, and especially after 2020, um, the uh, the BLM um, um, demonstration and the riots, and they came home and they demand that we support BLM movement, and then tell us our parent parents that from communist China that we don't understand what oppression <laughs> is, that we are privileged, and. Uh, and I, just, I could see that our, gener- our children are being brainwashed and, in, uh, and indoctrinated the way we were when we were in China. And I just feel like I have to step in and stop this. Oh. Let me just t- tell you both, uh, just my personal experience as a mother, my son is uh, 41 and I raised him in a, a very, well, it's probably black like Loudoun or Fairfax County, DuPage County, which is west of Chicago. And when he was 14, uh, the school board there did almost identically, same, different details. I don't remember critical race theory. Every, nobody ever verbalized that. But they were doing other things. Um, and the way I discovered for my son was I read a, a, a piece he was writing for his history teacher, his world history teacher. And it was, the assignment was so bizarre when I read my son's piece on it, I just flipped out. Uh, and that that started a whole, uh, at least in my own life, a whole challenge where parents joined in to, we challenged this teacher and he ended up having to change his curriculum because there were still more friendly, fr- parent friendlies then. Uh, but we had a revolt against the school board, but I have to tell you, we lost, we lost. Um, and so that's my I, that's a tiny little tidbit because I wanted to just give you the idea or the understanding. This has been going on for a long time, and I know something about what you guys went to. But you guys, you are the gold standard. I, it was amazing to see how you fought back, and um, you were um, 
a powerful force, and you still are, because the battle's not over, as you both know. Patty, let's go back to your own story here. You graduated from Rutgers with a double major in history and political science, and I know that your parents are from Cuba. You are not. You weren't born in Cuba. You were, were you born in the United States? Yes. In fact, today is the 53rd anniversary of my parents becoming American citizens. Oh, my and, goodness. And they named me Patricia after St. Patrick's Day. Oh, wow. That's, that's a great story. Well, all right. So when you go to Rutgers and you major in history and political science— there is a purpose. So I guess I just want to ask you, uh, you know, why that, uh, what was in your head when you made that choice? Interestingly, I'm one of six kids and my parents, we, to afford vacations, they would put us in the station wagon, the pop-up trailer, and we would go visit museums and history. My mother really pushed that type of American history interest in us kids. And I just gravitated towards learning about the American history. And so when I went to college, I I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and I thought that was the way to do it. And the more I studied the constitution, I said they had a double major program and I picked history and political science. Little did I know, you know, 35 years later, I'd be involved with politics in some way. Well, and I should, um, let me complete your resume here, because you are the president of Loudoun County's Republican Women's Club, and it is the largest club in Virginia, and that's saying something. I'm very familiar with Northern Virginia, uh, lived there a long time. Uh, It's number one in the nation, and there was a 636% increase in membership under Patty's leadership. Is that, Patty, I'm I'm assuming, is that just, Northern Virginia, of course, has turned, well, we should say blue or purple, depending on the, you know, what's happening uh, but I, I'm assuming that's in the last few years of um, of the, the the turning purple that you increased your membership, right? Well, because of um, the liberal push, there were a lot of Democrats at that time in 2019. We had a governor that was Democrat, Lieutenant Governor Democrat, Attorney General Democrat, both. The House of Delegates and the Senate were majority Democrat. And in Loudoun, our Board of Supervisors was majority Democrat, except for two. And then our school board was majority Democrat. So it was a very harsh area for conservatives. It almost felt like we had nowhere to go. So when I was asked to take over the club in 2019, it was about 30 members and I knew I would have to put a lot of energy into it because I immediately gave men and women, we had 80 80 men in our club, um, a place to go, to learn, to educate, to get involved, to, and so conservatives kind of went to the Republican Women's Club, and we were very active. We did postcard writing parties. We did door knocking. We had great speakers. I just decided to use it as a vehicle of education and politics. And um, we grew last year in two years, we went from 30 to 468 members. And um, I'm no longer president. As of December, we elected a new board because in our bylaws, I could only be president for two years. But it was an amazing um, organization that just grew. And under that, you know, position for me is where I was able to encourage parents to get involved locally. Local elections matter. 
Yes, they do. Absolutely. I preach that all the time. And of course, then you guys had a resounding victory with your governor, Yes, which was a, you know, a, a wonderful thing. Uh, again, the fight's not over, though. There was a battle won, but the fight's not over. I want to just, before we take this break here, I'm curious, Patty, about when you think about what your parents taught you, just some principles from their experience growing up in Cuba, what comes to your mind? Freedoms. That's the first thing that they, and it it was our faith. You know, my parents escaped from Cuba because they were shutting down the universities and the churches and the government was taking and seizing property and homes. They had nowhere to go. The Bay of Pigs fiasco made it so that obviously the Americans weren't coming to help them and they had to get out. And so at that time, only the ones with means could get out. So my parents, thank God, escaped, came to this country. The first thing my parents did was um, get my father enrolled at Georgia Tech with his master's and PhD in chemical engineering. So not only did I realize that my faith and our freedoms were important, but education. Education is how you get out of poverty. And the example I had from my parents was so great that it gave me this this immense love for America, our patriotism, a, a sense that we could have rights, we could have freedoms, and um, that's where my my past history brings me to why I'm sticking up for others now. You know, I, I when uh, when it comes to immigration, I I always say to both of you, I'll say she to you too. I'm going to talk to you in just a second in more depth. Um, our immigrant friends who come from communist countries are our best citizens. I thank God for you. I thank God for you because, um, you know, I grew up um, understanding. I've been to, uh, except for Cuba, I've been to almost every communist country and spent some time. I'm very familiar with communism, but I've never lived under it. Uh, but I would say, you look at what's happening in um, the the power brokers that have come to Washington, who are Cuban, for instance, is it, I think of Mercedes Schlapp. I think yes, of Marco Rubio. She's a friend Rub- of mine. Yep. Okay. She's, yeah, mine too. So that's great to know. And our Marco Rubio, uh, who was, <laughs> okay, this is a harsh judgment. He was really terrific when he was running initially because he was so impassioned about his past. And then, of course, Ted Cruz. Uh, so you guys have made some of our best immigrants. And the same thing goes for Chi and Chinese immigrants who are fighting so hard in this country. I think of, um, Epoch Times, who's led oh, yeah. by China, Chinese di- dissidents. And, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So, we love the right. people over at Epoch Times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do I. All right, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Chi, you're up. Because I want to hear about your past and uh, living under Mao's uh, communist cultural revolution and what that was like. And uh, then I want to ask both of you about some of the correlations that you both see and what's happening in this country and uh, your your stories and history of the past and communism from your families. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. My friend, there is no more relevant doctrine to what we face in our generation than this truth Soon and very soon, we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for the things done in the flesh. And we better believe that. Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, Signs, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Exploring the Word. I think it's wiser to lay the issue out before God than to tell God what to do. 
That's very wise, and it takes a level of trust to do that. I doesn't trust it? you, Lord. Makes me think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God, you're able to deliver us from this fiery, burning furnace. But if not, we're still not going to bow down. We trust you no matter what. Join Bert Harper and Alex McFarland weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that's your neighbor's. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, an economic system that allows billionaires to exist is immoral. Someone may want to let the former bartender turned congresswoman know that the top 1% of wage earners pay nearly 50% of all federal taxes. The top 10% of wage earners pay nearly 70% of all federal taxes. And the top 20% of wage earners pay about 85% of all federal taxes. That money funds things like our national welfare programs. Don't let them entice you to harbor disdain for the wealthy. Socialists bank on covetousness to gain support for their regressive policies. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. As Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky continued making his rounds of Western legislatures with virtual speeches to a joint session of Congress yesterday and the German Bundestag today, he seemed to have scored at least one potentially significant victory. President Biden has joined him in declaring Russian dictator Vladimir Putin a war criminal. The International Criminal Court has already opened an investigation into the ongoing and still intensifying crimes against humanity Putin is inflicting on innocent civilians, refugees, and others in Ukraine. At present, however, he seems unlikely to stand trial, let alone be punished. Putin's designation as a war criminal, however, could have an important knock-on effect, though. His ally, Communist China's Xi Jinping, must be put on notice. Those enabling Putin's crimes by violating international sanctions on Russian energy sales, resupplying the Kremlin's arsenal, etc., will be deemed accomplices and treated accordingly. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I've, I've been very alarmed by what's going on in our school. You are now teaching, training our children to be social justice warriors and to loathe our country and our history. Uh, growing up in Mao's China, all this seemed very familiar. The uh, communist regime used the same critical theory to divide people. The only difference 
is they use class instead of race. During the Cultural Revolution, I witnessed students and teachers again turn against each other. We changed school names to be politically correct. Um, we were taught to denounce our heritage. The Red Guards destroy anything that is not communist. Old uh, statues, books, and anything else. <clears throat> we are also encouraged to report on each other, just like the uh, Student Equity Ambassador Program and the Bias Reporting System. This is indeed the American version of the Chinese communist, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. The critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. It should have no place in our schools. All right, that's our guest this morning, Shi Van Fleet. Uh, she was one of the moms uh, who was right there, uh, front and center in Loudoun County uh, when parents were challenging the school board. She's my guest along with Patty Hidalgo Menders. They're both in studio back in our mothership, and so it's a real privilege to be able to talk to them in person this morning. I wish I could see your faces, ladies. I wish I could. We could look at each other and talk about this and have maybe two or three hours. Uh, but she, she, you talked about growing up in the Cultural Revolution, and I guess let's do a little history here because you know that Americans don't know history. Uh, so the revolution was 1949. I remember all the missionaries had to leave, and China was then shut off from the rest of the world. It started earlier than that, though, right? Didn't it start like yes in the in the 1917 or something like that? Yeah, the um, uh, 1949 is the uh, time that the CCP overthrew the. Um, nationalist government and drove them to the island of Taiwan. And since then, um, they have been doing all sorts of... Uh, um, Mao launched a lot of the uh, political, social um, campaign to transform China to a socialist country. Um, you know, let, let me just interject because I... I, I, I she, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm wishing your name. There's no excuse other than my mind is racing here, but she. Uh, I've been to China several times, and I, I'm not, I don't have the knowledge base that you do. But I just wanted to say, I uh, remember reading uh, Mao's uh, autobiography, and he went to Europe and studied with the European communists. And I'm thinking of the Frankfurt School, you know, where communism was brought into culture. It was, it was no longer the war between classes. It was affecting culture. I can't explain that probably as well as you can, but you say that he started the Cultural Revolution in 1966. Can you distinguish for us what that was as opposed to just the revolution in 49? Yeah, the Mao never went to um, uh, Europe. It's the other leaders like Deng Xiaoping, and he never really left China except one trip to Moscow. So he is um, really everything is uh, learned from Books. He never really learned anything. I don't think he uh, knew anything about the Frank Frankfurt School or um, Antonio um, Gramsci. I don't think. Okay. So anyway, they took over China, and uh, since then, they have been implementing um, communism system, socialist system. And uh, so one of the uh, disastrous campaign he launched is called the Great Leap Forward. And uh, that, it, it's very complicated to explain everything, but the result of that campaign was the Grand Greed Famine. And up to mm. 40 million Chinese died of starvation. And after that, uh, it's just uh, such a disastrous um, campaign. And he was, Mao was forced to admit his mistake, and his uh, power was weakened. And uh, that so was, did, that, 
Did that famine take place after 1949, or was it after yeah, 1966? Um, it was in that period of time, no, right? No, it, it's around uh, 1959 to 1962. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And after that, um, uh, he was planning uh, to launch a comeback. And this time, he wants to take back uh, the, abs- the absolute power. And that's how, in 1966, he launched the Cultural Revolution. He wants to... Uh, seize power from below. So he mobilized the mass to uh, attack the system that he built. Well, let's make it practical, because you were a child uh, when the Cultural Revolution began, and you grew up in that. And you said your parents, uh, were they actually members of the Communist yes. Party? or they yes. just they were? Okay, so you grew up in a family where your folks were communists, and you were in the schools of China. So can you just describe, uh, first of all, in general, your experience in school there? What was school like? Yeah, I only had one uh, year of normal schooling when uh, the Cultural Revolution started. And I can't quite remember what I learned. Um, That was too (laughs) early. But I do remember the moment that I realized something major was happening. And that was uh, the big character posters was um, everywhere. And those are the kind of today's social media. Those are the red guards. Those are the young people uh, write um, criticism or denunciation of the system, of their teachers, of the school and everything. And then soon after that, school stopped. We had no school for a year and a half. So my memory is very vivid because... (laughs) Yeah. That was such a time with such chaos going on and no school. So every day we would go out and witness all this struggle sessions. I think by now a lot of people heard about that. That was pop, kind of like a public trial of uh, authorities, of those people that deemed as counter-revolutionaries or capitalist rollers. So the Red Guards would parade them and then will denounce them humiliating them, and especially on, on campus, and they were beat them. And some just really just killed right there by the Red Guards. So this is what you saw as a child. Yes. And, uh, and were, your, were your parents at the time, I'm, I'm guessing there was ambivalence. I don't know. I mean, I would think that even though they were communists, this would be tough to watch. But what was their response to that? Um, they never talked to us. You okay. know why? Because... Mm-hmm. Children were taught that everyone was taught that our loyalty is to the party. If you notice anything, even if it's your parents, you report to the CCP, to the party leaders. And that happened a lot. And some young people turned their parents in. And mm-hmm. some get jailed, some get executed. And I think because of that, parents are very careful. And I never heard anything from my parents talking about politics or how they feel about the Cultural Revolution. And probably not about faith. Did your parents have any kind of faith in God that you know of? Faith was non-existent. To us, communism is the religion. You know, I grew up um, in uh, the the, the, uh, (laughs) Mao's China and uh, know nothing about communism, of other religion, but I do remember uh, the quote from um, um, 
from Marx that religion is the opium to the mass. The people. Yeah. So yeah. we think just those people are stupid. They believe something they made up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no religion. Isn't that something, uh, she? we don't have time to dwell on this, but uh, what God did in China underground, behind closed doors, uh, during those many decades that it was shut off from the Western world, uh, that there were, when it finally opened up, when Nixon went in, that we found that there were millions of Christians who had, you know, it, the church the Church of Christ had just kind of exploded in China, but just underground so that no one could see it. I just think that's fascinating. That's a whole story for another issue. But now let me talk to both of you for a second. In the few minutes that we have left, unfortunately, so as you look at what's happening in America, not just in schools, but in America in general, uh, she, since we're talking with you, let's, let's have you go first here. What things are you seeing that are specifically like what you experienced in China? What red, what red flags are you seeing that are so concerning to you? Um, it's everywhere. If you ask me to pick a few, and one of them is uh, there is one version of truth, and that's what the left impose on us. And if you're not with them, you are a racist. Yeah. And uh, so you can't question anything, and you just have to accept. And uh, what's so alarming is so many Americans now become silent. And, uh, um, and that's exactly what ha- happened in, in China, especially during the Cultural Revolution. There was one version of everything, and that's the truth from the CCP, and everyone has to just accept it. All right, let's talk to Patty first. Patty, Patty Menders, uh, w- what strikes you of something that's happening you're seeing? It reminds you of what your parents talked to you about, what's hap- what was happening in Cuba. Well, for the last two years, it seemed like fear of a different political viewpoint or a different different ideology was kind of controlling the narrative. You saw the cancel culture just sweep through our corporations. Uh, if Coca-Cola did, you know, with employee training of, you know, how to be less white, who would have ever thought? Um, then you've got the schools pushing these in, these teachers are pushing uh, this transgenderism, this uh, critical race theory, even though they don't use that language, they use equity, diversity, inclusion. It is, they are targeting our young people. Um, That to me is when I said enough. Uh, That is when I, when you go after my child, I have to defend my child. He can't defend himself. The peer pressure is so great in high school. What kid's going to step up to this? So it's the right of the parent. And that is why we won in Virginia, why why we became red again, is Governor Yunkin listened to the plea of parents and our rights again over our children and their education. And we won. We won the governor. We won the lieutenant governor. We won the attorney general. And we flipped the house of delegates. I know. That's when I said, look at how parents and it simple citizens can have an impact on the culture of a a state like Virginia. You just answered the question I was going to end with, and that was, what can we do? All right, so I think that's a a great answer. And let me go to to she and see, she, what, what is the antidote to this? What is the, what is the thing that's going to fix this and stop this poison in American culture? To me, it's the f- most important thing is to understand what we're dealing with. We are dealing with Marxism and communism. 
And that's very important. Only when you understand what people can really take action. Because people, a lot of times, still think wokeism is about anti-racism. It's not. It's about divide America so that they can take our freedom away. So that's the most important thing is to, is to understand. And then the next thing I would say is to organize. And one thing that the uh, Communist Party and Democratic Party in common is they organize. Ch uh, Mao, Chairman Mao, started as a peasant organizer. Obama started as a community organizer. Yeah. They organize. It is time that the conservative get organized. She, I'm just curious because when, uh, in Northern Virginia, there's so many Koreans, Chinese, you know, it's like a melting pot, but there are a lot of people from Asian countries do you think that word is getting out among Asian Americans? Yes. Sometimes English is not their first language. <clears throat> Do you think that they're understanding now and getting activated? Yes, especially Vietnamese community. They experienced communism, and they escaped it, and uh, the war, and they have very clear understanding what we're dealing with. Actually, now we have a candidate running for the uh, 10th district. He's uh, from Vietnam, and in his speech, he specifically said, we are fighting communism here in America. She, yeah. thank you so much, Shee Van Fleet. And Patty, last word from, from you, Patty Hidalgo Menders. Uh, what's the last word from you? 30 seconds. Courage begets courage. I encourage <laughs> everyone to learn and get involved. This is our country, our local communities. We've got to protect our children, so please be courageous. And speak up and organize. Those are the things we've learned. It's great, you guys. I, I do wish we had a longer time together, but I really, uh, I thank you for your time. Patty Hidalgo-Menders and also Shiva and Fleet, both from Loudoun County, who have made their mark already, but they're not done. I'm sure they are not done. <laughs> They've just begun. And this is, our, this is our template. This is what you can do in your community. We talk about this a lot. You can organize and you can make a difference, and that will ripple up and uh, get into the DNA of the higher offices, and we can make a change. I, I'm not giving up yet, and I hope none of you are either. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.